Okay, I'll admit. This one won me over. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, and during the first half hour, I thought, this is going pretty slow. I don't think I'm going to have a good time with this one. But I held on, because The Baron was on the cover, and I've seen the only movie that The Baron appears in other than this one, so I, I knew something good had to be happening when he was involved. Sadly, it wasn't the same type of something good that was involved with uh, The Cat Returns, the other movie that is primarily about The Baron. We'll get to that one when we get to that one. He's very much a minor character in this one, but I did enjoy his part. I don't really have any strong feelings about this movie, but I did find it to be pretty pleasant. I thought the, the longer it went on, the better it got, and I thought it ended at a pretty good point. Um, the beginning part where it's mostly involved in a love triangle, you guys already know how I feel about school-aged love triangles, but also... They also just completely drop the entire love triangle aspect of it, and the characters that were involved in that storyline don't really matter past, like, the hour mark, so, I mean, I was fine with that. I didn't, I didn't care about them anyway. I just like Seiji. I, th I thought he was cool when he showed up and he was being a douche, and I thought he was cool when they got to know him a little bit better, and he's not actually a douche. He just likes being a douche. That's a good type of guy. His grandpa, that's an even better type of guy. The Baron, that's a cat, but it's still technically a type of guy, I guess. You got Shizuku, she's she's pretty decent. She's the main character. I don't have anything against her. I think she gets better as the story goes on. Uh, I've related a lot to her struggles towards the end once it becomes about following your passions and getting better at them. And it's like this how to harness talent into actual skill type of deal. I thought that was a really good message, and when it's about that, it's good. When it's just getting involved with boys, I don't really care about it, but by the end of the movie, I definitely thought, yeah, yeah, she's she's a good character. I like her. Outside of that, the only character I really gave a shit about was Muda, and uh, that's, that's just because he's a, a fat cat, and I think fat cats are funny, especially when they're animated, and it's not actually like a real cat that's unhealthy to achieve that fat cat charm. Uh, Garfield, famous fat cat, big fan of him. Uh, Hobbs, I wouldn't say he's fat, but I think he's probably put on a few pounds over the years, and I like him, and he's a cat, so I wanted to mention him. I can't think of any other fat cats. Does Normal count? Does Normal count as being fat like Garfield? Because they're pretty much the same proportions, except Normal's smaller, so wouldn't that make him denser? Because he's definitely not skinny, because Arlene is also a cat, and she's very skinny, and Odie is skinnier than Garfield. And dogs are usually bigger than cats, like even, well, I guess not a chihuahua. A chihuahua is going to be smaller than a cat. I don't know, what's a what kind of dog would Odie be? Like, if Odie's just some terrier mutt, he should be fatter at the waist than Garfield in almost any circumstance. I don't see him being a smaller breed of dog kind of thing. He wasn't in the movie, in that movie with, uh, why can't it's Bill Murray? Why did I forget Bill Murray's name? He's the only reason anybody saw the Garfield live action movie. And he got tricked into the second one. Tale of Two Kitties, I think. Was he in Tale of Two Kitties? Okay, I just looked it up. He definitely was in a Tale of Two Kitties, along with uh Jennifer Love Hewitt as as Dr. Liz Wilson and uh Brecken Meyer as John Arbuckle. I'm still reading off the IMDB page right now, but I did want to clarify and make sure it made it into the episode. Yes, Bill Murray did voice Garfield in the sequel. I don't know why. Seems like something he wouldn't have done or wouldn't have had any reason to do after how bad the first movie was. But 
I guess when you're Bill Murray, you can afford to just do things that you want to out of spite. And I think that's really the only thing that could have motivated him. I don't think there was any positive reason for that movie to be made or for him to participate in it to give it a higher profile than it would have sunk down to if it didn't have him. I think Bill Murray has to be angry at the world for what it's done to him. God help us all. Oh, I thought of another uh, fat cat uh, in the anime movie Weathering With You. It's made by the guy that made your name, I believe. I believe that's the studio it came from. I've only seen that one the one time. I've seen your name like seven times. But uh, there's a cat named Rain in that movie, and it starts off as a kitten. But, <laughs> spoiler alert, it, it, it grows up. It's a, big, it's a big kitten. Very happy with Rain. So I think that's the top fat cats to your list. Um, Muda's up there. I'd say in this movie he was maybe C tier. He had some good walk cycles, nothing GG good. Uh, Gigi wasn't a fat cat, of course, or he would have definitely been included. Just personality alone would have put him on the list, but he's not fat. Also, being fat doesn't necessarily automatically put you on the good fat cats list. Uh, Rebel Wilson in the live-action Cats, the 2019 one. I can't remember if it came 2019 or 2020. I think it was 2019 Christmas, so it would have been 2020. Like, main when I saw it, because I didn't go see it opening week. But, yeah, so that would have been 2019. Uh, the, the 2019 Cats movie, Rebel Wilson, sucks. Worst part of the movie. Great movie. Uh, it's the only movie I've continuously thought about every single day since I've seen it. I can't get it out of my head. I can't stop. I can't. Every time I close my eyes, I see Rebel Wilson skinning herself and revealing that not only does she have a second layer of skin, she's actually more clothed if she rips off her skin, which I thought was... Um, disgusting and opens so many implications and then she just eats a child so i i don't really know what they were going for there but it definitely made me uncomfortable it's letting the eldritch horror of this reality seep into my brain hole through my eyes and fuck you rebel wilson i didn't even think you were that funny and pitch perfect okay i've covered characters most of them weren't in this movie let's go into the soundtrack um it's all country roads the only song in this entire soundtrack is uh, the Olivia Newton-John version of Country Roads. That's the opening music. And then uh, the Shizuku main character, she is translating it into Japanese so they can sing it for their middle school graduation ceremony, right? So she's trying to find good words to fit the tune and also carry on that meaning. So there's like four or five different versions of Country Roads. One of them is a parody and the other one uh, is like a sincerely heartfelt thing that she's trying to do for her graduating class. Then I think the best version of it, it well, not the best version, because it's still like a child singing uh, uh, the wrong words to Country Roads, because if you watch it in the English dub, um, they actually still use the meaning translated back from Japanese into English. So it's like when you Google Translate something, and then you re-Google Translate it back into the language it was from, and it's different except it's to the tune of Country Roads. Uh, and uh, Seiji, the boy, the good character, uh, the second best character, the third best character in the movie behind Grandpa and the Baron, um, he is a violin maker. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make violins, and he's pretty okay at it, but he's not very good at playing it, so he gets embarrassed when she asks him to play, and he's like, fine, but you gotta sing your stupid Country Roads song. So she's like, uh, okay, and they start singing, and it's kind of kind of sweet and wholesome, and then Grandpa comes home with a couple of his old man friends, 
and that's really nice because uh he, he's the best character in this movie he even beats the baron but only because the baron doesn't get too much screen time in this sadly that's why they gave him a whole spin-off i guess um the grandpa just sneaks downstairs quietly behind the girl while she's singing and uh he pulls out a tambourine and then the other two grandpa people i guess not all old people are grandpas some of them might be living that single life at 80 and just having a grand time with it uh the old people all pull out their instruments and they start playing along with the violin so it's just this old people ensemble and a child and a singing child playing country roads but also the words are all wrong and it's very nice i enjoyed it um, then that's about when I got sick of Country Roads, and you hear it, I think, three more times throughout the movie. I already kind of got sick of Country Roads. They started using it, whatever Fallout game they used it for, either 4 or 76, where it was in all those trailers, and you couldn't avoid the trailers, and then that started everybody on a phase of, like, oh, let's listen to John Denver. I like, like, the same thing Red Dead does with, like, country music, where people listen to country music when they didn't before, because it makes them feel like a cowboy but like with John Denver and like that old timey fallout aesthetic for music, but people only ever listened to country roads. And I'm, I'm not going to say that like I listened to John Denver before he was good because I wasn't fucking alive during the prime of John Denver, but also he has songs that are better than country roads. And I think if you're going to parody country roads, Kingsman two did a really good job of it in a heartfelt scene, but also Kingsman two kind of sucks, but also it's kind of fun. I enjoyed Kingsman 2's use of Country Roads. I only enjoyed about half of this movie's usage of Country Roads. And that's okay. You can use a, you can use a song. You can get your full budgeting for it. It works. I just think a soundtrack needs a little bit more than the same John Denver song. And it's a John Denver song I was already kind of tired of hearing. The movie did come out in 1995, though, so I think it beats both Fallout 4 and Fallout 76. So I don't think it was its fault, honestly. I think Fallout 76 might be a whisper of the heart ripoff. The only reason that the series didn't keep succeeding as well as it did with New Vegas is because they cut out the Baron. He's the most important part of the formula. So I'm going to rate the Fallout soundtrack a, a uh, let's give it an 8 out of 10 in terms of mood setting. Uh, just because I've listened to the master list of every song that's appeared in Fallout that's on Spotify. And uh, it's an enjoyable playlist. I enjoy that type of music. I don't know how it's divided up between different games, but I enjoyed that, so I'm going to rate it based purely off of that. Uh, Whisper of the Heart soundtrack. God, I don't... Oh, I really don't... Uh, it gave me good warm emotions the first few times and during that one specific Country Roads, but I don't remember a single other song or any background music because I was only listening for Country Roads at a certain point because I was just having fun counting it. So the amount of country roads and the lack of anything else having any real punch to it, I just, it's not a good soundtrack, I'm sorry. I'm not going to rate it out of 10, though. I don't know why I rated the Fallout soundtrack out of 10, especially the omnibus Fallout soundtrack with every song. That was a weird thing to do in this review for a Ghibli movie. I, I'm going to be real, I haven't played Fallout 76, and I haven't beat Fallout 4. I've only beat New Vegas, and I've gotten pretty close in Fallout 3. But uh, Fallout 1 and 2, maybe a half hour into each of them. I, I, I don't know if I can consider myself a Fallout fan. I consider myself a Whisper of the Heart fan, though, so let's talk more about that. Stop trying to get me to talk about Fallout. I have a very low attention span. While this movie was written by Hayao Miyazaki, it wasn't directed by him, and it was also based off of a manga that was written in 1989. So, 
uh, he didn't really have as much input as I think he tends to have over the rest of the Miyazaki movies. It was actually directed by a person named Yoshifumi Kondo. I apologize if I butchered that. Anytime I see a word or a name from a different language, I internally panic and I freeze up, so I just gotta go for it and trust my gut on the first shot. That's just how it worked. He worked for Studio Ghibli for movies such as Kiki's Delivery Service and Only Yesterday, and the one we're actually going to talk about next episode, which is Princess Mononoke, and he worked on Whisper of the Heart, but he was full directing Whisper of the Heart while he was only animation director for the other ones. He also did uh, Anne of Green Gables and Sherlock Hound. I haven't seen either of those animated movies, but <laughs> he worked on them. Uh, he did only direct Whisper of the Heart before he died in 1998, though. It was an aneurysm. He was uh, being set up as the next big director to work for Studio Ghibli, and a lot of people have said that that aneurysm in 1998 was one of the main reasons Hayao Miyazaki first announced he was going to retire in 1998, even though he eventually returned and has developed a continuing theme of uh, retire, return for one movie, then retire, then return for one final movie, then retire, and right now he's coming out with a new movie that he's saying will be his very last movie, and he wants it to be a letter saying goodbye for his grandchildren. Personally, I think he is just going to keep making movies as long as he lives, but it is definitely a shame when they set up somebody that obviously has great talent, and uh, then we lose the opportunity to see more work from that person. I am glad that uh, they did get to help a little bit in Princess Mononoke, though, because I'm going to have a lot of good stuff to say about that when we get to it in the next episode. I don't know how integral of a part or what the exact responsibilities are for an animation director, but I think for this Studio Ghibli animated studio, getting animation director on some of these brilliant movies definitely means you're doing something good and have a big piece that you're adding to this puzzle of what makes these films so enticing and good. It's always a shame to lose a great artist. I think this movie had a lot to say about being an artist and what it means to grow as an artist. Shizuku is a middle school student who reads a lot because she wants to be a good author and she really enjoys creative writing. That's actually why she's doing the translating for the Country Roads song. I suppose being the best creative writer would give her a good input on what words would convey the same tone as the original song while still translating it into the new language. She notices that every single book she's been reading has the same name on all of the checkout cards, and that's Seiji Amasawa. And when she runs into him, by chance, she kind of just followed a cat, and that cat being Muda, the best fat cat in this movie, and best fat cat in Cat Returns, too. So, <laughs> excited to talk about his real character, where he actually says things. He leads her to the antique shop that Seiji's grandpa works at, and that's kind of when the two start running into each other more frequently so i think he's mainly involved for being the impetus of this story he's the one getting all the pieces moving he's getting the two little kids to fall in love but when she meets seiji for real and like actually talks to him for the first time instead of just getting into arguments with him she finds out that he has a lot of passion for making violins and he's not satisfied with how good he is and he just wants to grow and he wants to be a master violin crafter and he has like his whole life planned out around it, and he's just hoping his parents will actually let him follow this dream. And I think like a lot of people, uh, I have definitely had the experience where I meet somebody who is so invested and passionate about something that that passion rubs off on you and makes you want to do what you do better. I felt this movie was very inspiring for that. It felt very natural, and his interest in his interests make her want to become a better writer so that she feels 
worthy of his affection and like they're on the same level and she doesn't need to be in his shadow because after that first duet they're already crushing on each other it, when you get backed by the coot crew it's kind of hard not to fall in love speaking of the coot crew we're going to talk a little bit more about grandpa now because grandpa is the ursula of this movie if you remember in my kiki's delivery service review which is my favorite episode i've recorded so far so go back and listen to it if you haven't haha when shizuku comes to him with her problem of not feeling like she's a good enough writer and not living up to her talent in the same way that seiji is living up to his he gives her uh, a geode and he's like see in this geode what's valuable is these little emeralds and uh the little emeralds are inside of here and you'd have to dig them out and you'd have to be careful around them and find exactly what's perfect and like a little gem about them right and then you have to also polish them so it's a two-step process where you first find your values and what you're good at and then you get better at them and he explains it a lot better i'm paraphrasing heavily but the way he talks about it it makes a lot of sense and it's a pretty heartwarming message that like it's okay not to be great at something for your first try. You just have to continue working hard at it. And just because you started off good and don't feel like you're growing very fast, there's multiple different processes that you can do to get better at something that you want to be better at. And if you just don't give up faith, you can eventually find some way to be good at whatever it is that you want to be good at. And as somebody who wants to be a writer like Shizuku, that's a pretty fucking good message. It feels nice. There's a lot of times when you get hit with writer's block when you're not expecting it, and it's like, well, damn, I guess I'm just useless, and I really <laughs> like being told I'm not useless, because really all my brain tells me is that I'm useless, so it's nice when uh, old, old grandpa is wholesome and he has a cat statue, and he's like, hey, polish yourself off, buddy, you're gonna be alright. I don't know, I just love uh, wholesome, heartwarming messages. <laughs> I know it's girly dad. Oh, get off my back. It's not 2008 anymore. Like, I've gone back and reread a lot of my papers from middle school and high school and college, and it's like, yeah, I don't personally think anything I've written is good. <laughs> I'm very self-critical, but also I can see there is steady improvement from middle school to high school to college to just my creative fiction stuff I'm doing now, and it's just, I don't know, it's just nice to have that put into words and animated beautifully in a film like this. It also makes me want to say thank you to a couple of people that have always been supportive of my writing. Uh, first off, two of my teachers from high school, so I don't know if I can actually say that, because that's kind of doxing myself pretty early into my career, so I might avoid that one, but... <laughs> my advanced English 10 teacher. I think you were the first teacher that ever showed me, oh yeah, school isn't the worst place to be ever, and also there are some people that do this job because they care about kids learning, and uh, yeah, she's supportive as hell, and she was the first person that made me think, maybe this is something I genuinely enjoy. And as somebody that didn't really have a hobby at that time, outside of just playing Minecraft for like 16 hours a day after school, uh, it, was, it was good to actually start getting into something uh, in that middle school time frame, right? After that, my AP Lit teacher in high school, he was always very supportive. I thought he did a great job of telling me what I did well, but also giving me areas to improve upon. 
I was a really bad student. I had this really cool thing where I would do assignments and then uh, my form of rebellion because I felt like I didn't have enough control over my life, dad. So even though it only ever had negative results and I only got in trouble and it always hurt my grades and it meant that I had to retake several classes in high school even though I already knew the stuff, uh, I, I kept doing it. It was really fucking stupid. But uh, this teacher, he did a really good job of encouraging me to just get the shit done and get it to him so I could get good feedback on it. And also in my senior year, him and the last person I want to talk about who I'll get to, they started an independent study. It was me and the other guy, and this teacher was the one looking over it because we needed teacher approval. We wanted to take the creative writing class, but it was just the two of us, and there weren't enough people to legitify it as a class. So this teacher took the time out of his schedule specifically for us so we could take this class and do this coursework and get credit for it before going out to college. And uh, <laughs> honestly, I did not appreciate that enough at the time. I didn't realize how much of a blessing that was. And also, the biggest blessing, I want to talk right now about my friend Luke. First off, shout out, hey Luke, I know you're working hard on all of your stuff up at college. Uh, he actually does a radio show, I believe it's for his college, it's through their station. I'm going to put a link to that in the bio of this so you guys can go listen to that if you want to. It's called Luke's Radio Game Show. Also, I'm pretty sure it's called a description, not a bio, if it's just one episode's thing. Luke is the type of friend that I think everybody uh, should try to find at some point. He works hard at literally everything he does. He's always willing to help other people. He's literally the most driven person I think I've ever met. He is that type of passionate person that empowers other people to follow their passions for me. Every single thing that he gets into, he goes so fucking hard that it tires me out watching him. I wish I had the motivation that he does. He likes board games, so he makes several of his own board games and he has us over multiple times to play test them and they're always a good time. In extracurricular activities like choir and show choir, he was always a leader, and he would teach all of the people like me that literally have no sense of rhythm or dancing style at all how to do everything, and he'd host things at his house specifically so people could come do stuff and like be together and he could organize them better. He's literally just such a leader and good person. I love this guy to death. And he was the only other person in that independent study with me, which meant pretty much every time I wrote anything in high school, it got filtered through Luke, and we had a competition where we would do daily challenges, and it was always me that dropped it because uh, I'm so bad at keeping the schedules. This is the longest I've kept on something, and I've already had one slip-up with the Pompoco episode. Um, so we would pick words, and we'd shift off whose turn it was, and we'd each pick a word for either something that has to be included in the story or a theme, and then we'd both write a short story, and we'd all read them at, I think it was like the end of the week. I don't remember exactly how the system worked. So it was just a way for us to just encourage each other to write short stories and then get immediate feedback on them. And he was so much better at it than I was. Um, like when his stories hit, they definitely hit. And his writing style has a lot more clarity to it, I think, than mine. I have that rambly ADHD brain type storytelling. And he tends to go in with a more focused idea and he narrows it down and he gets it. Like he, he gets it. So having that as a resource during high school was also a big influence in me wanting to continue writing, even though, I mean, he's not like a published author, but like, <laughs> he still has that kind of bravado with everything he does, and that passion that inspires other people to want to do the same things. So those are my three shout outs. I know two of them 
I didn't actually get to say the names, just the subject that they taught me and the great impact they had on me. But while I was watching this and she was talking about her writing, it made me really want to talk about the people that helped support me. There were so many other people that were supportive with my writing along the way. There are people that still support me on it. I'm actually writing a comic book with a friend right now. I don't know if that's ever going to go anywhere, but it's just a fun project. So I'm just thankful for the people around me that are passionate and willing to be helpful for people. It's inspiring. makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I love my friends. I am just astonished at the caliber of people that are willing to put up with my bullshit. <laughs> so many people with so much more talent and drive than me continue to support me and be there for me and give me feedback and i just have so much to be thankful for overall it's not ghibli's best movie i still think it was really good it was enjoyable it left me feeling all warm and fuzzy inside could have done without the love triangle stuff at the beginning a lot of characters kind of felt like they were here to pout at the time it was like two hours long but i think there was really only like an hour an hour 10 minutes of content in it that i cared about but I, I, that's subjective. A middle, middle school-aged kid watching this would probably be more interested in those parts than I was. So oh, I'm a dumbass, I know. Next episode, we get into something real special. We're talking about Princess Mononoke. Uh, aside from that, what do I have for this end credit thing? Uh, look in the description. I, there will be a Twitter link and an Instagram link if you didn't follow those. There's still that voicemail link if you guys want to use that. I'm still interested in seeing how that works. I might have already received some. I don't know if I get notified or something. I don't know if it's something I have to dig for. I have no idea how it works. I just think it'll be neat. Also, if you hear people talking in the background or doors opening and closing, um, that's just because right now my recording position is right up against a wall I share with a roommate. So it's very hard to not feel like a dick telling them to just not make noise because they have their own life going on. So... Until I can finish building my PC and move my whole recording setup into the closet so I can have the soundproofing that's in there. It's just something we got to deal with. So, sorry about that. It, it'll get better with time. I don't know. I'm still a novice at this. It's fine. You guys don't expect quality from me yet. I think I might be done with the ambient background noise. That was mainly to cover up roommates talking and cat noises and my gross mouth sounds that the mic likes to pick up sometimes. I'm getting more comfortable hearing my voice and I'm more okay with those flaws so i don't think i need that crutch anymore to be able to upload the project without freaking out so uh i think after mononoke the last episode for this month and for this week i'm gonna do a twitter poll with anybody that's followed since i made the twitter and i'm just gonna see do you guys want the ambiance do you not want the ambiance i don't know just dm me or anything if you know me i don't know how dms work on twitter i need to figure that out that's gonna be important one day I think that's everything important, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Uh, thank you for being wonderful human beings. Unless you're an awful human being listen to this, then please don't listen to this. I don't want that associated with my brand. And uh, Goldman plays out. Please. Please.